0: Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. Uh, We are going to jump into our sermon series. We are starting a new one today and it being Mother's Day, I was thinking about doing a Mother's Day sermon, um, but then I decided not to. Okay, so what I decided to do, or not really me, but people, uh, instead of doing a Mother's Day sermon, we're going to give you flowers today. So if you are a woman over 18, we've got flowers at the end of service. We want you to take and be blessed on this Mother's Day. And that is my condolences for not giving you a specific Mother's Day message. So uh, instead of a message, we gave you flowers. So I hope you are appreciative of the flowers, and uh, we will pass those out at the end of the service here. Well, as I think about planning for the sermon series, you guys may or may not know this, but when I'm thinking about what to be preaching on next, I am most of the time a, a very exegetical preacher here at Woodland, and what that what that word simply means is that I enjoy going through passages or maybe even books of Scripture and going verse by verse and explaining you know, what was happening in that book and who it was written to and why it's important for our lives today. Well, over the last several weeks some things have taken place that kind of made me say, you know what, I, I, I think we need to talk about this next topic here. And there was a topic that came up in Sunday school class a few weeks ago, and then my own small group talked about this topic. And then even last Sunday, Garrett brought this topic up, and it got me thinking we should probably talk about this. You might be wondering what the topic is. The topic is making Plans is the name of the series that we're going to do for the next uh, next probably three weeks here. And uh, today we are going to be looking at Genesis chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there and kind of hold that there. But Genesis 13, we're going to look at Abram. And Abram is Abraham, but this is before he becomes Abraham. And um, I think it's a very timely message for us. It is summertime in the UP, and what that means is that we make plans. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but most UPers, we've got four months, roughly, to get a bunch of work done because the weather is halfway decent, and we tend to just fill up our summers. Our summers become extremely, extremely full. I was talking with a friend here Uh, Just actually just last week we were talking about doing a bike packing trip and he specifically mentioned to me He said hey we we need to get that on the calendar because our summer is filling up quick And as I was thinking about that and I was As I was thinking about making plans plans can be stressful in this life We have to make plans. Am I right? We make plans. We make decisions every single day Well does scripture speak into that? So for the next few weeks, we're going to be be looking at making plans, And, and today we're going to be looking at Genesis 13, and we're going to be looking at Abram, and I think in this account, we have something that we can be gleaning from within Abram's life. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 13, and if you would please stand with me this morning, we are going to be reading from Genesis 13, starting in verse 1 says this so Abram went up from Egypt he and his wife and all that he had and Lot was with him into Negeb. now Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold and he journeyed on from Negeb as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning "...between Bethel and Ai, or Ai, to the place where he made an altar at first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord." Verse 5, "...and Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together." Verse 7, and there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At the time, the Canaanites and the uh, uh, Perizotites were dwelling in the land. Then Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen and my kingsmen. Is not the whole land before you, separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, I will go to the right. If you take the right hand, I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the Jordan Valley was still watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zora. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley. And Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abraham settled in the land of Cana, and Lot settled amongst the cities in the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. And Lord, as we look at this account of your servant Abram, Father, I ask, Lord, that you would come, that you would speak to us, Lord, that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us this morning. Father, we give you praise. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys may be be seated. The previous chapter gives us a little insight to what is taking place. Chapter 13 just kind of picks up in the middle of a story here and in genesis chapter 12 is when we first see abram abram comes on to the scene in the book of genesis in genesis chapter 12 and actually at the beginning of genesis 12 is some of the most famous verses throughout all of genesis it's when the lord calls abram if you look at genesis 12 1 through 3 it says now the lord said to abram go from your country in your kindred, and your father's house, to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you I will curse. And, and in you all, the families of the earth, shall be blessed. Now, the Lord called Abram to go to a land And Abram had no idea where that land was going to be when the Lord first called him. But the Lord spoke to him, and he went, and then a famine hit, Scripture teaches. A famine struck, so Abram and his wife and his nephew go down to Egypt to get out of this famine. And in chapter 13 is where this story is picking up. Abram had left, went down to Egypt, now he's coming out of Egypt back to the land and that is how the story picks up but him Abram and his wife and Lot they run into an issue and the issue is this is that if you look at verse 2 it says now Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold and he journeyed from Negeb as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been between or been at the beginning between Bethel and AI, to the place where he had made an altar, and where Abram called upon the name of the Lord, and Lot, who went with Abram in verse five, also had flocks and herdsmen's and tents. In verse seven, there was strife between the herdsmen, it says, Abram's livestock and, and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. So there was this issue. Lot and his family and his nephew are coming back to the land, but they have so much, they've got problems. Now, it doesn't say Abram and Lot have issues. It says that their herdsmen and their people were starting to argue back and forth. And the problem was was that the land that they were dwelling in was getting a little cramped. And I bring this up because we see a problem. A decision has to get made. A plan must be made to go forth. And Abram, who is extremely wise, he he completely recognizes: hang on, our herdsmen are not really getting along. I don't want any strife between me and you here, Lot. We are family. So he says in verse 8, he says, and Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herdsmen and any of my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. If you take the right hand, I will go to the left. Now, like what I said, Abraham knew. Abram knew, hey, I don't want any sort of problems here. And he knew that if that if they would have stayed together, the problems of their herdsmen could have developed issues amongst them. So Abram said, Well, I got a plan here. Now, culturally, who is in charge in this relationship? I want you just to kind of think about that. Abram is the uncle. Lot is his nephew. Who's in charge? It's a pop quiz. Okay? Anthony, I'm going to call on you again. Who's in charge? Abram. Okay, good thing Ben whispered that one to you. Abram culturally is in charge. And this is an important aspect of this account. Abram can decide whatever he wants. Abram is in charge. Culturally, Lot has to submit to Abram. But what does Abram do here? It's interesting. He looks at Lot and he says, "Lot, you choose. Lot, you get to make this decision here." And Abram gives that up. He doesn't make the decision. He gives it to his nephew. And Lot doesn't, doesn't necessarily know. it does not say that Lot know, or Abram knows how Lot is going to choose. But we do get a little piece of information here in verse 10. And it says, And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zora. So Abram looks up, or Lot, Lot looks up, and he sees, okay, I get to choose. And he sees that the valley of the Jordan is a nice valley. Now, if you are a herdsman, and you've got animals, and you've got to be growing crops, you want to go to the land where there is water. It logically makes sense. But Abraham would have noticed this too. We need to realize that in this account. It's not like Lot's the only one who has eyes here right? Like, they both have a set of eyes. They can both see how the valleys are, the land that they are living in. But Abram says, Lot, no matter where you choose, I'll do the opposite. Your choice. You go left, I'll go right. You go right, I will go left. It's, it's amazing that Abram had total trust in the outcome. Like, Like it doesn't even matter, almost. He literally looks at his nephews like, whatever you choose, I'm going to do the opposite because I want to maintain this relationship between us. Wherever you go, it's fine. You choose, Lot. And of course, Lot, wanting good land, chose the Jordan Valley. But I love how Abram had total trust in this process. Now, did he trust Lot? Or did he trust the Lord? I don't think Abram trusted Lot here. I don't, think, I don't think Abram was sitting there thinking, well, I completely trust Lot to make the right decision. Remember back in Genesis 12? I want to share 12 too, what the Lord spoke to him. It said this, Abram, I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. The Lord had already spoken to Abram here. Abram, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. you will, your name will become great. And the Lord made this promise to him. Well, now a major decision has to be made within Abram and Lot's life. There's this problem has to get solved. And when you look at how Abram responds, it's like he's completely indifferent to what Lot chooses. And I think I know why. It's because he had total trust in what the Lord had for him. The Lord had already spoken to him. The Lord had already said, "Abram, I'm going to make you a great nation." And when it comes to this decision, It was like Abram's like, the Lord's already got a plan. The Lord has already made me a promise to make me into a great nation. Where am I going? I have no idea. How is this all going to work out? No clue. But he had total faith and total trust in the Lord. It was like the outcome just truly did not matter. Now, I think it's a lot easier in our lives, church, to trust outcomes when we make the decision. So if you ever have a situation in your life where you get to make the choice, I think it's sometimes a lot easier to say, well, I'm gonna trust this outcome because I made it, right? Like say, it's a little bit different when somebody else makes a decision for us, but I think sometimes we think it's easier to trust outcomes and to trust decisions when we get to make them. But I don't think we have a whole lot of control in this life. You might be sitting there thinking, well, Pastor, what do you mean by that? As you think about life, what do we really have control over? Have you ever stopped and actually thought about this? What do we have control of? We don't have any control of people. We can't control anybody. I've got, I've got a five-year-old son that I can barely keep within a, a box at times. We have no control over the stock markets. You and I don't. Some billionaires might, I have no idea. I think if Elon sends out a text, it might help some things. We have no control over the weather. We have no control over our future. We have no control over what's going to happen tomorrow. We can't control traffic. We can't control the past or the future. The past already happened. The future, no control. We have zero control over our own race and skin color. I was born this way. No control. Nothing. Did not mean to turn out like this. (laughs) I blame my parents daily. But I bring this up because when we really think about our lives, I think that so many of us live in this illusion of control. That we live in this idea that we have control over our lives somehow. But when you really step back and when you really think about it, and when you really think about what do I actually have control over, it's, it's, it's like the list becomes like smaller and smaller and smaller. And then even when you get to the point to where you come to the conclusion where you say, well, I've got control over myself. Well, Bible teaches that there's a war raging within us, that there's, that there's this battle of our flesh and God's spirit that dwells within us. And then we might think, well, I've got control over my own character, which at some point we've got a little bit, but we even need Jesus to come and transform us and make us new and sanctify us. We can't even, we can't even become good if we want to on our own. And I bring this up because when I look at this account, of Abram and how he responds to Lot. It was like Abram had total trust in this situation. Like whatever's going to happen is going to happen. The Lord already made me this promise of becoming a great nation. The Lord says, "I already have a plan for you." I love how how uh, Hebrew reminds us of uh, of, uh, of Abraham. I just want to just point this one out. It really shows Abram's trust here. Hebrews 11.8 says this, For by faith Abraham, when called to go to the place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Look at this. Even though he did not know where he was going. There was this total trust that Abram had on his life. God, you called me to go to a land. Where is that land? I'll show you. Just start going. Okay. Lord, a decision has to get made. There is a problem right here with my herdsmen and my nephew's herdsmen. Whatever happens is going to happen. I trust you, Lord. And as I think about our lives, church, now we're not Abram. I'm not Abraham. Abraham. But I do believe that as a believer in Christ, God has a plan for you. Now, do I know the details of those plans? No, I don't even know the details of my own plans that he has for me. But I don't think it comes down to knowing the details. I think it comes down to the biggest issue, which is trust. Do we trust that God has a plan for us? Do we trust that the Lord is going to work out that plan? even regardless of us at times. And that, that sounds kind of crazy, but as I, as I think about our lives, it's like, God, you've got a plan. You're in control of all things, even of this world right now. The pandemic didn't, doesn't even phase them. You know, all these rumors of Ukraine and Russia and all these things that I think we can get worried about, Or get stressed out about it's like god's in perfect control do we forget who our king is but i think it's our job to trust that he has a plan and i guess my challenge to us today first of all is do we actually trust god has a plan for our lives when i say for our lives i mean for your life for your life individually do you believe god has a plan for you if he has called you by name if he has saved you through his son jesus christ he has now called you a child of the of the king he has a plan for you church he has a plan for me and i challenge us with this because when we understand that god has a plan for us the trust issue becomes easier decision making becomes easier Plans in our lives become easier because we can trust that He actually cares about us and has a plan for us. And I've shared this a thousand times about when my wife and I felt like we were called to come up here to pastor this church. And I remember my wife and I coming to a point saying, God, if this is your plan, let it be so. We are willing we don't know what's going to happen. We're excited for whatever you have for us. But Lord, you have a plan. And we're going to just trust you. Doesn't matter what it looks like, doesn't matter how it feels. God, you 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 you've called us and we trust you. And we just let the decision be made in the leadership here. Keith and whoever was on the search team, and we went through the went through the interviews and we just said, Lord, whatever your plan is, we trust you. Now, throughout Scripture, there is several Scriptures that kind of point out that God has a plan for us. One of the most famously quoted Scripture, if you can think of this, I'll give you a free cup of coffee after church. It's going to be free. It's going to be right out there. It's going to be, it's going to be hot. It's going to be wonderful. What, when you think of plans that the Lord has for you, what Bible verse comes to your mind? It's the most quoted. That's it. How'd you know that? Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, I think that one's quoted maybe a little bit too much, and that was, some argue that was just for Jeremiah, but I believe God has a plan for all of us. But I like Ephesians 2, 10. It says this, For we are his workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which I love this part, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has a plan for us. We are created in Christ Jesus for the purpose of what? Good works, which we don't even prepare. It says God prepares. And what do we do? We walk in them. Literally, it says you are created in Christ Jesus. As a believer, you get born again. You become created in Christ Jesus. And it says God has got a plan for you. He's going to prepare good works. And you are going to walk in them. It's an amazing plan. But it's our job as His people, as His followers, to trust His plan. And it can become really, really difficult when we don't think the plan's going our way. Right? I see that a lot. It's like, well, man, things are getting kind of bumpy here. And I get it. In this life, there will be many troubles, Jesus says. But take heart, for I have overcome them. Jesus reminds us. And I share this with us, church, because I think that we can have total trust in what the Lord has for us. I don't think making decisions and plans should be stressful. I don't think it should be complicated. Now, I'm not talking about everyday decisions. Most of you are probably thinking about what you're going to do for lunch today, right now. Uh, that decision, I don't think, is, should be a stressful one. It should be pizza, right? Right? That one's easy, every time. But I think for us as believers, sometimes in this life, we can kind of get a little stressed out and a little bit squirmy and a little bit like, God, I don't know what you're doing here. And the whole point is, is, you may not know what God is doing here. You may not know the perfect plan, but I do know this, he's got good works for you to walk in. He's got a plan for you. And for us, our job is very, very simple, church, is to trust his plan. Jesus promised us this, that he would send his Holy Spirit to guide us. That his Holy Spirit dwells within us, dwells within believers. And it's our job as followers to say, God, I just trust you. Lord, I don't know what your plan is every single day, but Lord, whatever it is, I'm going to trust you. Whatever bad happens, whatever good happens, Lord, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to walk in that. And I'm not going to get shaken. Jesus says, do not worry. Worrying can't add another day to your life. Lord, I'm not going to worry about the future or what's going to happen or what's happening in the world. Lord, you've got a plan, and I'm going to trust you. And I think, church, we should be encouraged as we look at Abram's life. In this little account of his life, A major decision has to be made. And he he has total trust. Whatever's going to happen, Lot, you go this way, I'll go the other way. It's like, no worries. No worries, Lot. You choose because I trust that my God has a plan for my life. Now, we could explore on how Lot made the wrong decision. I don't know if you picked up on that. Where did Lot end up? By Sodom. I don't know if you've read the Bible, but... Things don't end well for Sodom. Just to, just to let you guys know, Abram, Abram's actually going to have to rescue his nephew twice. He rescues him from some people in the next chapter, and then he's got to rescue his nephew again. But it is just so amazing at how Abram just has this trust. God, whatever this outcome is, I trust you. And I want us, church family, to have that same mindset and to be encouraged by that. That God has a plan he loves you he created you he is what Ephesians says he created you in Christ Jesus for good works which he has prepared beforehand so that you and I may simply walk in them he has a plan for you and it's our job as his followers to say God I trust you for us to get on our knees and say God I don't know what is happening even when it's some of the most stressful times in our lives, say, God, I have no idea what is happening, but Lord, You know that I'm stressed. You know that I'm worried. But Lord, I trust You. Lord, I'm going to walk with You. You are my God. You are my King. And You have all things in control. He created all things. I forgot the the Scripture verse, but I think about it often when I'm stressed or trying to make decisions. Scripture says that God holds the entire universe in the palm of his hand. Just this idea that our king is so big and so vast that he can literally just hold it in the palm of his hands. Now, it's not saying, you know, physically, but just this imagery that our king and our God, we can trust, church family. We can trust him for him to work out all things. I'm going to ask for you to stand and I want to pray for us this morning. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. And we're going to declare our King one more time this morning here. And as they come, I'd like to pray for us. Let us pray. Father, Father, You have plans for Your people. Father, I pray that we as a church, we as Your people, will be men and women who simply trust You. That we trust that, Lord, that You you are working out all things. That there is nothing in our lives that's out of Your control. Father, we come to You today. We trust You. You are our King. You are our Savior. Father, help us to be Your people that simply trust You, Lord. And I ask this now in Jesus' name, amen.